0: Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning.
2: We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like.
0: Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL.
2: Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app.
0: Hi there, I'm Zach Braff. And I'm Donald Faison. We're real-life best friends, but we met playing fake life best friends, Turk and JD, on the sitcom Scrubs. 20 years later, we've decided to re-watch the series one episode at a time,
1: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. What's
3: up, everybody? I am Ray Harkins, and you're listening to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast coming to you week after week with independent music discussion with people who are involved in a heavy way, whether they are contributing playing by playing in a band, whether they're contributing behind the scenes. As long as they are involved in this awesome independent music community, that's who I'm bringing on. That's who I'm talking to. And this person embodies that for sure. His name is Finn McKenty. He's actually a repeat guest. We, If you wanted to dive all the way back, I, if I'm not mistaken, episode six of this show, which, you know, now we're closing in on 300. So that is a lot. And people... That dive into the show and start to tell me that they've listened to, you know, 200 hours of this thing. I'm, I, I commend you. I am so happy that people are, are finding value out of the back catalog. And when I say back catalog, it makes it sound like it's like less appealing, but the conversations I have uh, are pretty evergreen, you know? You can listen to them three years later. You can listen to them two weeks later. It doesn't matter as as long as you're diving in. So thank you. But anyways, I got a little sidetracked. Finn came on the show, and uh, he came over to my house, and we had a really, really deep discussion on like religion and positivity and just so much cool stuff. Finn, he is the, uh, main, I don't know, I guess digital marketer marketer. I'm I'm not exactly sure his title. I, I asked him at some point in the conversation of, uh, URM Academy, which is a online, uh, school that basically teaches you how to become really good at engineering from either recording your own bands, recording other bands, it's really, really, uh, an awesome program that, uh, you know, some, uh, some of our mutual friends have built and now Finn is helping them out to basically, uh, yeah, make sure that people are aware of this thing. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have him on as well. Cause I, I really believe in this uh, company's mission of trying to make sure that uh, people, you know, get, get better at what it is that they're interested in and, uh, you know, offering real, services from that perspective and not just, you know, blowing uh, smoke and mirrors around. So, anyways, that's Finn and we we, we get into it, but uh, let's talk about some some other things first. First, first and foremost, you need to visit our web partner noecho.net, please, because they are offering great great content on a very regular basis. So, uh, yeah, please do that. And I also have to mention Rockabilia. I know you're probably like, yo, I get it for those of you that listen to it, the show, on a week to week basis. But if you don't and you're just diving in, you need to visit rockabilia.com. And what do they do? They sell awesome, awesome band merch. And they sell over half a million items of band merch from everybody from, um, you know, Slayer and Mastodon, Misfits. You can think of a band and you can dive into their archives and you will probably be able to find a piece of merch. Like I I was just tripping across Bane the other day on their site and was like, oh yeah, that's cool. They got they got a bunch of Bane merch. Uh and what they also do is they officially license all of these images and items and whatever it is that they're producing is legit. It's not crappy bootleg stuff because, uh, I've, I've made the mistake before of buying, uh, you know, some, some bootleg merch on, uh, whether it's like Amazon or other places and 99.9% of the time, it's the worst thing possible. Like whatever it is I paid for it, it is not worth it. And then not to mention the fact that these bands are not seeing the money. And frankly, that is one of the main. Sources of revenue for bands is their merch, whether it's touring and selling it. Um, it's just it's crucial to their existence. So go to rockabilia.com. I will give you 15% off by using the code PC100Words or Less. So please dive onto Rockabilia's site, find some merch, let me get you 15% off, use that code. And uh, thank you, Rockabilia. We've appreciated your support over the past couple months. And uh, yeah, I like what they do. So good job, Rockabilia. Now, yeah, Finn, like I said, he uh, he's also I mean, he's a punk and hardcore kid. That's why he is on this show. And he's done a lot of cool, interesting things that are, um, you know, involved in the more sort of corporate world, uh, whether that's like his old design work with a uh, he he worked for Abercrombie and Fitch. Yes, that's what he did. And then he also worked for Creative Live for a while, which is another awesome online Teaching portal, which we talk a lot about that. Um they primarily focus on like photography. Um, but they you know they he did some music stuff over there that was really really cool. So anyways, Finn's just a great guy and we had a fun conversation. So that is what we were doing, and here he is. This this will be you. You were one of like literally the first guests. I think you were the sixth episode. I, look I believe back. so. Yeah. And uh, like obviously a lot is a lot has changed in your life yeah. since we discussed then because you were living in the Midwest. Yeah. And then you moved out to Seattle. Yep. To work for Creative Live. Yep. Um, Where I grew up
2: where so you I grew, grew up. Up.
3: That's true. That's true. Yeah. You boomeranged back to It's important
2: for me to, to clarify that, you know, there's nothing wrong with the Midwest, but no, nope. it's not my home. And if you've ever had that fish out of water feeling, mm-hmm. you know, that it can be hard to makes it harder to be happy when you're in that fish out of water kind of environment.
3: Right. And you, and you, I mean, and you, you were out there for what? 10,
2: 10 off qu- and on yeah. yeah. around that.
3: Yeah. And that was, uh, I'm sure in some respects it was an isolating experience just because you were away from, like you said, the fish on water. Like you were not connected to anybody from family. Like you were just like, you had your work friends and then you had your internet friends. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm sure. Like, did that mess with your brain at all as you were kind of like navigating through that, like the fish out of water experience you're talking well, about?
2: You have uh, you, you 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 have friends that come in from like New York or Philadelphia or something like that to Southern California. Right. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, they all freak out. Why is everyone here move so slow and why is everyone here so laid back? You know, all that stuff. Right. Right. Um. You know, it. it to me, it's not about... Uh, you know, whether one is better or worse, it's just, you, you, if you grow up in a certain environment, you get used to that, like pace uh, of life and state of mind. And when you're in a situation where, you know, where, where the, you're the only one that looks at the world in a certain way, or, or it feels like that, then yeah, it's, you know, at least hard for me. Maybe some people don't mind it, but it's hard for me.
3: Right. Yeah. Especially too, when you are, um, when the, the change happens, like, you know, you, you, you do it on your own accord. You're know, like, oh, I'm,
2: I'm going to pursue this job or I'm going to pursue school or whatever. Or nothing like I did. That's true. So, you know, uh, <laughs> this is like a classic hardcore kid move. Anybody <laughs> listening to this? Sure, if you are a hardcore kid, probably 75% of you made a stupid mistake very similar to this, which is you decide that wherever you grew up sucks mm-hmm. for whatever reason and you should move somewhere else because... Once you move somewhere else, everything is going to be different and awesome. It will change completely. <laughs> exactly. Every, the problem is where you live, not you. So I moved when I was 18. I moved from Seattle to Cleveland because mm-hmm. I knew some people in Cleveland, rah, rah, rah. Sure. Um, and uh, that was a really bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe it wasn't. You know, I learned a lot from it. Um, right. Definitely. Yeah. I saw a whole part of, you know, the country that I'd never been exposed to and probably wouldn't have right. otherwise. So that was great but yeah hardcore kids moving if you're if you're younger and you're listening to this and you're thinking about moving don't do it <laughs> right. well especially too like if you are going from like it's a di-
3: you know i feel it's probably a different story if you live in a place like you know farmington illinois like yeah. if you are at a place that is devoid of culture sure and you don't feel like you're anchored to anything yeah it well, it makes i mean you're, you're anchored to you know your local high school or whatever yeah. but like that the the bigger world's out there. But it's like, if you're moving from Seattle to Cleveland,
2: like it's like, there's, there's a lot of stuff to do in Seattle. Yeah. Well, there wasn't nearly as much back then. True. Um, And to be fair, the, the hardcore scene, which is you know, the center of my world back then. Right. The hardcore scene in in Cleveland was way better than the one in in Seattle back then. There was, you know, one band basically that, you know, it was on the map in Seattle back then, which was Undertow. Sure. Um. Well, don't forget Brotherhood. But <laughs> well, that, no, they were gone by then. It's true. Yeah. You know, yeah but is yeah, the, Undertow was definitely yeah yeah, yeah. in ninety six. Yeah, um, Brotherhood was long gone, and Undertow was was the band that mattered back then.
3: That's true. That's true. Yeah. And then the but yeah the. You, I guess, yeah, the, the uh, upshift that you can have in regards to like, oh, yeah, like there's a, you know, there's not only just one band, there's a lot of stuff going on out there. Yeah. And
2: bands didn't tour in Seattle back then because, I mean, even now they still sometimes don't, um, but it was really, you know, off the beaten path back then. And, you know, every year somebody would almost die going over the mountains, you know, right. I remember earth crisis was the first, I don't remember who else, but, you know, a bunch of people gotten in accidents going over the mountains Right. Uh, in the winter, uh, which is scary, so. Yeah. Lots of bands didn't play there. And then I moved to Cleveland and every band plays Cleveland cause it's the throughway. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's in the middle of everything. It's super close to a whole bunch of other cities. So I got to see all the bands that never played Seattle, which was at the time really cool. Yeah. Um, did you experience any
3: of the, like the, uh, cause obviously Cleveland, you know, became a focal point for, you know, how crazy these bands were from either one life crew or integrity. Yeah. And like, like, did you, you know, did you experience that sense of kind of like, Whoa, these dudes are kind of,
2: kind of, kind of scary. Uh no because they were actually really friendly to me right
3: (laughs) which is amazing
2: um yeah I mean maybe you know I don't really know any of them personally I mean I said you know I'd see them at shows back in the day right um but they were all really friendly to me um that's cool I'm sure other people have good reason maybe not to like them but yeah uh, they were always super friendly to me yeah Uh, and that's been the case to me it's kind of ironic that in my experience the people who Everyone else said were the awful mean bullies, you know, fill in the blank, tough guy, hardcore band right. were always really nice to me. And the people who were calling the other people bullies were the buttholes. Right, right. You know, <laughs> we're just the worst. Totally. <laughs> yeah, they were really mean. Like all the like, you know, cool guy, Spock haircut, you know, yep, uh type Midwestern emo people that said one life crew and integrity were horrible people. Right. They were the ones who were judgmental and mean. And clickish and unwelcoming in my personal experience. Yeah, yeah.
3: No, I mean that. Well, especially too, if, if you're talking about the uh, the way that a lot of those scenes kind of came up and transpired, it was very exclusionary. You right. Know? Like, right. It wasn't a matter of it was like, hey, we're taking our corner of the map. From, you know, focusing on San Diego, it's like, yeah, we'll take, you know, your Locust, your Clickatata, Katawi, like everything of these bands and we're going to do our own thing. Right. We don't need to include anybody else. Right. And by default, that made it very um, it was such a distinct because, I mean, obviously, so many of those bands played in Orange County. Yeah. And I remember it was like I never didn't feel like not welcome at those shows. Right. But it was just like. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm one of very few quote unquote hardcore kids right. that are at this show. They
2: weren't going out of their way to make you feel welcome. No,
3: no. And it, it wasn't, yeah. It, it wasn't like, I mean, if I showed up in like, you know, a mad ball jersey and basketball shorts, like, you know, clearly people would have been like, yo, what's up with that guy? But right. I just look like roughly how I do now. Right. So I, it, there's no uh, posturing from that perspective. Right. But it was
2: very like, hey, we're doing our own thing. Like, you guys can do your own thing. Yeah. That's cool. But. It kind of reminds me of, like, there's a lot of these tropes that are set by the quote-unquote tastemakers um, that I think don't quite map to reality. One of those being, like, so in in movies, there's this trope of the, you know, fake plastic girls and their prep jock boyfriends that bully everybody else and treat them like shit and just want to rain on your fucking parade for the sake of doing it, right? Sure. And these poor artsy kids just want to live their lives, but... All oh, these damn jocks get in their way. Exactly. Right. Are just out there to rain on their parade. Um, and so many people, you know, you just sort of accept that that's true. Well, it's in a movie. I guess that's I guess that's what it is. And totally. so then they plant the seed in your brain that that's the situation. And so you become, uh, you know, you see the, the quote unquote jocks as the enemy. And when you treat them like the enemy, guess what? They're probably not going to like you that much. <laughs> Totally, and so it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and I, I just for whatever reason i've never really thought that way mm-hmm. so i was cool with those people. it's not like we hung out but like i was cool with those people in high school probably because right. i liked pantera and sort of the people on our football team and sure so we were it's cool. like they're,
3: they're, there's different interests like there's diverging interests and you can you can both still coexist in the same yeah. world and not be throwing stones at one another you can just be like Oh, yeah, that's your weird thing. Yeah. And like,
2: oh, wow, I'm not into football at all. Like, that's your thing. But I think, you know, and, and then thinking about it now as an adult where I understand these things a lot better, I go, well, let's think about who writes movies. Yeah. Who are the people <laughs> that, like, author this culture? Yeah. They're not, like, functional, like, healthy, happy people. Yeah. You know, they're dysfunctional, angry, bitter people who want to paint this picture of, well, the reason I'm unhappy Is because all these awful people hated me in high school for no reason. Right. Um, And so they tell the story. And so I think, you know, I think that's, there's a lot of that in culture um, of, of uh, the, the people who author culture being these angry, bitter, dysfunctional people that paint a picture that does not actually exist. I know. And it, it is interesting
3: too, on that same note, the. The notion that now obviously, you know, nerd culture is mainstream culture and it has been now for whatever, 10 plus years. And so like how everyone's had to sort of reconcile with that in their brains to be like, okay, these sort of niche things are now like not niche at all. Like it's 100% cool to be obsessed with Star Wars. Like everybody, it's totally fine. Yep. And then how that how that sort of shifts the balance of power where it's just like, I mean, you know, look at like a dude like Guillermo del Toro. And it's like, yeah, that guy could not be more of a shut in. Like, right. But everyone's just like, man, a visionary director. And like, right. of course, he is. He's is yeah. unbelievable. But it's so funny how people have to, like, grapple
2: with that where it's just like, oh, man, like, I guess, I guess that's the world we live in now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely it's it's a different it's a different place. So yeah. uh, <laughs> the inmates is. are running the asylum now. <laughs> I
3: know exactly and no one knows what yeah. it's like,
2: well, I guess this person has a very unique take and voice i mean i guess we need to listen to them now well you know another good example that i I remember i would read all these stories and zines about and stuff about how awful earth crises were as humans totally there were these horrible violent people they hit my friend with a brick right you know all he was doing was just standing outside the venue holding somebody else's beer right (laughs) he doesn't even drink he's straight edge and they hit him in the side of the head with an axe handle right just be, for holding a beer. Right. And then beat him on the floor with a grocery divider. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and you'd hear, wow, and, you know, I'm 15 or something, so I assume if I read it in a zine, it must be mostly true. Sure. God, these guys must be horrible monsters. And, you know, of course, then you meet them. <laughs> and if you've ever met anybody in Earth Crisis, you know that, like, that couldn't possibly be farther from the truth. Totally. You know. It's a game of telephone that happens. Right. I'm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, although I will tell... Here's an Earth Crisis story I will tell where they did whack somebody. Uh, the, it happens from time to time. Uh, here's a Cleveland story for you. So Please. I saw... it was I think it was Earth Crisis, Madball, and Scarhead, I think. That's a good lineup. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> uh, this was in 97, I think. Okay, yeah. Uh, and I don't remember what... I don't remember why there was a scuffle, sure, yeah, <laughs> but there was. I think one of those guys was throwing meat at them, or something like that, okay, you know, of course, yeah, you know the yeah, sort of, you combine, yeah, you- you're combining two disparate elements together, F- yeah, like powder keg plus match, <laughs> something will <laughs> explode, yeah, so anyway, for whatever reason, you know, uh it jumped off, as they say, mm-hmm. and uh uh Ian from Earth Crisis was trying to hit somebody with his base, sure. Like, Chubby, he is the he is the bulldog. Yes, he was trying to hit Chubby <laughs> Fresh. I think maybe I don't know. <laughs> sure, <laughs> I could be wrong about that. So don't quote me on yeah, it. Yeah, no, no. He quoting. was trying to hit somebody, but yeah. unfortunately, he just fucking cracked some poor little vegan kid oh. like in the head. Like, yeah, he had a big gash on his head, like uh-huh. you know maybe four inches long or something. He's sitting on the side of the stage, holding his head, like and his blood is dripping <laughs> into his hands. He's like, like I just oh. went to a show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and Ian's like. Oh, oh, fuck! Sorry, man. Yeah. Do you want a, Do you want a
3: shirt? Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's basically the only way that you could you could help a person immediately is be
2: like, well, hey, um, do you want a shirt? I'll right. get you a towel. Like, <laughs> I, I don't really know what to do here. Right. So you know, if there were Earth Crisis whackings, you know, that's the only thing I ever saw. in right. <laughs> That you that so. you witnessed, Right. A complete yeah. accidental swing and a miss. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's the same as like when I was playing baseball in fourth grade, and yeah, uh, Chris Holt uh, was <laughs> at bat. And he hit some other kid. Behind, you know, he like let loose, you know, let go of the bat when he oh, swung yeah. and hit some kid in side of the head. Same right. thing, freak accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah and totally. we don't call Chris Holt a bully. Right,
3: right. <laughs> that was just an injury it on the sporting field. Exactly. <laughs> the the thing that always struck me about you too, um, like you know, ever since we became close and friends, yeah. is like you, um, you're, th- you're thoughtful, <laughs> and I think a lot of people. That, I mean, as you grow older, obviously, like you were mentioning earlier, you know, you have a better perspective and you understand why you were into certain things. Yeah. And I don't know. It just seems like you've always kind of
2: put, you've put thought into stuff. Like I don't know. It just doesn't, well, yeah. I, I know that's kind of a uh, vague question, but like, yeah. Uh, I was actually just talking. So we were just talking about thoughtfulness with uh, Johnny Minardi this morning. because sure. I think he's a very thoughtful guy mm-hmm. uh, and he used to work for Equal Vision. So uh, as some people uh, who are listening to this will know, Equal Vision started out as a Krishna label yep. back in the day to put out Shelter and 108 or so. I don't know what it was. But so the thing that um, really like flipped the switch in my head when I was a kid. Uh, so my mom was into a lot of that stuff okay. when I was a kid. But of course, I didn't listen because it was my mom. Sure.
3: Like actual Hare Krishna or like just sort of spirituality, spirituality in general? spirituality.
2: But like she, the only thing that I still have from. You know anything? Like I, I don't have any of my old records or zines or anything. Like the only possession I still have from more than ten years ago is a book that my mom gave me called "Whispers of Eternity," "Whispers mm. from Eternity." Okay, which is by a guy named Paramahansa Yogananda, who is like this Indian sure. spiritualist drawing from like the you know uh, Hindu and Christian tradition, mm-hmm. uh, and the book is kind of about the union of those two things. Okay, um, so not exactly Krishna, but not not. Right. Totally. Um, so the stuff. So I, I was very familiar with that stuff from an early age. And then, you know, I discovered shelter because I loved youth of today. Mm-hmm. And it clicked for me in a way that it probably didn't for almost anybody else. Because, you know, Krishna Korb was a trend back then. It was. But I had heard about that stuff for years. Before, like... I yeah, was, you had a
3: pre- previous right.
2: exposure to it. Right, yeah. like, you know, there's the band Veil vale of Maya and there's the cynic song Veil vale of Maya. Right. Um, <laughs> I had heard the term Veil vale of Maya for years uh-huh. from my mom. Right. You know, before, so when I would hear, like, Shelter or Downset or One talk about this stuff, like, I understood it in a way that probably not too many other, like, white Americans... Totally. You know? Yeah, and it was just kind yeah. of,
3: like, surface level. Like, yeah. I mean, it would be, like... I, Cause I wasn't like you in that exposure. It was definitely for me, like being exposed to shelter in one Oh eight where I was kind of like, this is the first time I kind of heard of this. Yeah. But then, yeah, you, you're immediately being like, well, like I th- was like, that's Oh interesting. yeah,
2: I totally get right. this. Like <laughs> you're like, Oh, like I get this already. Mosh riffs. Right. And <laughs> like the veil of Maya, this makes perfect sense to me. Totally. Which in hindsight is so weird because like uh, probably literally one of the only 15 year olds, mm-hmm. you know, in 1994, or right, ninety two, you know that like understood, <laughs> yeah, pre existing knowledge of this stuff of those yeah. two things, right, like, right, you know, unheard of back then. But uh, so I got like Ray Capo's book uh, in defense of reality mm-hmm. and read a lot of that stuff, and then that that's you know, of course, I didn't listen to it because it was my mom, but when Ray Capo said it, I was all ears. <laughs>
3: Cause, totally, because yeah, he's he's not your 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 mom right. or your father. Even, right? even though
2: he was not saying anything really different at all, I mean, it was literally the same shit my mom said. But when my mom talks about Maya, I don't want to hear it. Shut down. When right. Ray and Porcel tell me about it, <laughs> I'm all great. in. Yeah. Right. Um, and so now that I like, so I've I've talked about this with with you and with Ryan Downey, and mm-hmm. it's interesting to me that a lot of the stuff back then, like so the the podcast that you guys did was awesome, and he he had a good term for it, I think it was like seekers. Yeah. That there was a, a group, and they probably still exist. Uh, there's probably a new version of it, but there was this group of seekers back then that were exploring a lot of ideas that, you know, 25 years later are now mainstream. Mm-hmm. So the stuff that you would read in Shelter Lyrics in 1990 uh, is stuff that you would hear Ariana Huffington talk about now or it's Tim Ferriss or something like that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: and I'm very grateful that I was exposed to that. Back then, Sure. Because it's, you know, I'm far from perfect person uh, and, but I'm uh, a lot better now than I was 20 years ago. And I have always put in work on like correcting my thinking, you know, on a daily basis ever since I was a child. Yeah. Because of my mom. Yeah. She planted that seed in me and I'm very grateful to be exposed to those ideas back then. Yeah. Um, So this is all a long way of getting back to the idea of like thoughtfulness that you asked about. Yep. Um, and I've always tried, uh, I guess that's just a thing that my mom planted in my brain and I've always gravitated towards the part of our culture, the, the few people there that are talking about that stuff. Right. Um, and, uh, they're, they're out there. And now that I think about it in hindsight, like, man, they were ahead of their fucking time. Totally. Like, do you know, you you know, the band Downset, right? Absolutely. Have you listened to the lyrics at all? Yeah. I mean, at one point, yes. Like, man, that's some deep, like, that is some really like pretty deep shit. Totally. Like <laughs> this, the, the,
3: the, the idea that, I mean, cause I obviously, you know, as you start to like explore your own musical taste and cultural path and you know, the more ideas that you shove into your head, the better in my opinion, yeah. because then all you're doing is getting a lay of the land. You'd be like, okay, I see what that is. I don't agree with that. I see what that is. Like, that's kind of cool to see if I yeah. can court or, or just like you said, Look into it more and be exposed to it. Right. Because then that way you're actually going to be um, hopefully a a better, more well-rounded person, even though you don't know what it means. Like, you know, when when you first start being like, well, I'm straight edge and be like, well, do you know what that actually means? Like, no, I just don't drink. And it's like, (laughs) well, there's a whole lot that
2: smoke sometimes, but. (laughs) Totally. So it's like. Straight edge, like five days a week on the weekends. I'll, you know. Yeah, yeah. it's fine. It's fine. I'll relax, but yeah.
3: But yeah, being exposed to those things, like you said, is incredibly important. And especially just like kind of the, um, not only just the surface level stuff, but like, oh, here, like, I mean, you know, bands obviously used to have literature at their tables and books and stuff like that. And it was like, that, that is unbelievable. That's like such a monumental portion of our lives being exposed to the idea. It's like, I'll never forget like that band, that band buried inside. Uh Uh-huh. They, you know, their first record was called, uh, like chronoclast. And basically they were uh, challenging the idea of time as a reality and as like a construct. And I just remember like my 18, 19 year old brain being like, time isn't real. I was Wait, like, what? Yeah, Dude. I was like, holy shit, like this is insane. Yeah. But yeah, I had the same sort of like aha moment yeah. that you have, you know, as you were being like, oh yeah, like I already know what, like you said, the veil of mind, like all these yeah. things, like I already kind of have, you, your head was already Peeking in there,
2: you know. Yeah, I was uh, I was talking about this again this morning. Um, there's a shelter song called "Photographs Lie." I don't know if you know it, mm-hmm. um, but it's from I don't know ninety one or something like that, ninety two, yeah. and it's about how you shouldn't compare yourself to the photos you see in magazines, magazines. it's going mm-hmm. to make you feel shitty about your life because <laughs> you know blah blah blah. Totally, you get the idea. That song, like, is about Instagram. Y- exactly, you know. Yeah, yeah. and like how, at, like how ahead of. Like to me, that is very impressive that a hardcore band wrote that song in 1991 or whatever. Totally, and it is n- more relevant than ever right. in 2018. And they were rallying against fashion magazines. but it's the same but same it's the principle. Same, well, same the, principle. The idea is that they understood a facet of human psychology. Yeah, you know that manifested itself in a different way in 1991 than it does today. Exactly. Um, but I'm just very grateful that I was exposed to that stuff. You know, at that age, that I've been think that. I- that I have been thinking about that for twenty five years.
3: Totally, it's still you still carry it with you.
2: Yeah, yeah. I didn't, you know, I didn't get blindsided by Instagram, you know, the right. way that other people, you know, seriously. Yeah, absolutely, totally. Um, or you know, like you and and Ryan were talking about, you know, I was never hardline, but I was into a lot of that stuff back in the day. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about a lot of things like, you know, that what we would call intersectionality today. Mm-hmm and cultural imperialism and stuff like that. We have different rewards for it today, but they were talking about that stuff, you know, in the early nineties, 20 mm-hmm. years before anybody in the mainstream had ever even considered those concepts. Totally. In, so, the, in the
3: same way that you like, you know, we were talking about earlier, was just like, you know, nerd culture, nerd ideas yeah. have now bubbled up and it's like right. the same idea where it's like these, these, these constructs and these questions that were being discussed in, you know, rooms across the country to oh, a yeah. hundred people, it's like, it, all it does is that, I mean, and it's so exciting where it's like, you can look at so many people who are, you know, now adults like you and I that are involved in a variety of different things from a professional perspective. Um, we can bring all of that experience and people will just be like, yeah. oh, well, like, oh, that's weird what you're into. But it's just like, well, yeah, like, I yes, never it is of...
2: weird, but yeah, I've been doing it for a long
3: time. <laughs> exactly. No, totally. And that, that it, it's so cool. When you see that sort of, you know, uh, whatever, punk, hardcore DIY culture and not just like, you know, the the sort of surface level stuff, but like you see that being, you know, interplayed across the spectrum
2: yeah. of businesses. And it's like, that's really cool. Yeah, I'm glad that all these ideas have become more mainstream. And, you mm-hmm. know, the way that we talked about them in hardcore bands in 1992 was, right. you know, uh, rough around the edges. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah not a, not
3: the best presentation maybe yeah <laughs> yeah
2: and the ideas weren't fully baked and we were like literally children so totally. you know our uh, yeah i mean there was a lot of we said it in a lot of stupid ways but right. you know we were seeking out the truth which to me is pretty cool that there were like when I mean, it was way harder to do back then like by writing fucking letters to people <laughs> yeah totally you know, by looking at the footnotes of a book, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. Like if you wanted to find the truth back then, you were fucking after it. You were getting after it. You know, it was totally. hard. And I'm not being the old guy saying, like, oh, oh the internet makes like, it easy. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, right. it does, which I think is a good thing. Totally. Um, but my point is, you know, that the people who were like who were going to those lengths back then were very dedicated people, oftentimes really weird. Yeah. Um <laughs> totally. Well I I
3: weird, but then all I think the more important uh, factor is just obsessive, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. The obsessiveness of right. when you're getting into stuff, you're not just being like, oh yeah, like I'm into this thing. You're just like, I am literally consumed by it.
1: Yeah. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp.
2: And then so I've kind of I've kind of come like full circle. on this is like, so back in the day I was really into it, and then I thought it was really stupid, sure, um, because like God, it was so crude, and we were talking about it in such stupid ways and blah yeah. blah, <laughs> which is all true, yeah. Um, but now I've come full circle on it, and I've said, yeah, it was a little bit rough around the edges, but man, it's fucking cool that we were trying, and I'm so grateful that I've had 20 years to think about these things that other people maybe are only being exposed to now yeah yeah because these are complex challenging things that it takes a long time to digest and internalize and right apply to your own life so i'm i'm grateful that i got a head start on it i guess that's what it comes down to
0: yeah no that's incredible in a world where everyone is confined to their homes society begins its largest bin watch to date Join us for Fake Doctors Real Friends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts.
3: I mean, and I'm I see a lot of that obviously in what you're doing with, the, you know, the punk rock NBA stuff yeah. where it's like because the, you know, there's always that sort of like ickiness as far as like, you know, motivational speaker stuff yeah. kind of goes because it's like, you know, you like whatever people look at, you know, Tony Robbins and all these yeah. other people who it's just like, yes, they're inspiring. Yes, they're in t- they're touching people in ways yeah. that might not have been touched if they did not view this person, sure. but especially from our culture, it's just always like, oh, like I don't know, no one's an authority unless you're, you know. Yeah, a pie or well, whatever. that's
2: one of the biggest blind spots that our culture has, which we do have some. Yeah, and one of them is, uh, for whatever reason, we embrace cynicism. You know, it's true. and that it, it's it's cool to roll your eyes and call something bullshit. Uh, And it's not cool to be sincere about anything other than like being angry. Sure. Uh, Which, you know, has obviously questioning authority has a lot of merit Mm -hmm. and it's done a lot of good things. But it's also poisonous when it makes you question something you should be listening to. And just in general, I think it's I think it's um, poisonous that we make fun of people who are sincere. I mean, to use Earth Crisis as Shelter as two examples, how much shit did they take? In the so, '90s, for being so sincere much. about something,
3: totally for st- like for standing like on the top of a mountain of a yeah. principle, like,
2: right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Whether you agree with like, and, and it wasn't that people disagreed with them mm-hmm. necessarily; they right. were just mocking the fact that they were that they cared. Sure, you know,
3: right? So like, they embodied this thing.
2: Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's what people were objecting to. Not whether they were <laughs> vegan or Krishna; they were objecting to the fact that these people were like sincere about something. Totally. Um, and that is, that's not good. No, (laughs) (laughs) no, that's not a good impulse. Right. And that, and you see that in a lot of popular culture, it's certainly not unique to hardcore, but I think there's something, there's that like anti-authoritarian element to our world, Mm -hmm. um, that has a really negative, um, a really negative consequence in that way. Sure. Of, you know, rolling your eyes at somebody like Tony Robbins, who, whether you like his message or not, like, uh, I'm not, it, it doesn't really do anything for me personally. Sure. Um, but it's undeniable that he's helped tons of people. Totally. He's affecting change. Yeah. Yeah. And the same, like I,
3: in like looking at uh, what I think it was earlier last year, that missing Richard Simmons podcast came out yeah. and you know, one of the episodes focused on him as far as his sort of not, not just philanthropy, but like how he was so engaged with the people that came like, you know, when he was massive and touring malls and stuff like that, but just like a little anecdotal story of just like he would keep in touch with these people for years, like, you know, calling them once a month to be like, Hey, how is your weight journey going? And it's like, dude, are you kidding me? Like here's this guy who's like, you know, a millionaire many times over and he's engaged like that. And it's like, who's to say that a person like, you know, Tony Robbins or any of these other people that get, you know, lambasted for, like you said, their sort of sincerity. Um, that they're not doing some version of that, you know? And it's like, yes, of course, there are people who are using their platform for ill and are just, you know, just trying to make money. Yeah. Off of people.
2: Or, or, or get, you know, they want to be in the, uh, be in the spotlight and right. They want to the ego gratification. Yeah. They, yeah. Want, they want to feel like they're a guru. Right. Exactly. Know?
3: But, but like, but at the core of it, it's like, yeah, if they truly are helping people, it's like, you can't like, you can't fault them for that. Or you shouldn't. You should, right. Yeah. No,
2: that's true. You shouldn't. You should, yeah. You shouldn't. Yeah. And unfortunately, I, I think that was like a big turning point for me about five years ago as I just kind of woke up almost overnight and just didn't want to be cynical anymore. Yeah. I just didn't want to like talk shit on things anymore and didn't want to just, I was just like, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not feeling that anymore. Right. And I just let go of that and just said, I'm going to be sincere about things. Um, Not because I woke up today. I'm going to be the sincere guy. I was just like, I'm just over being cynical. I don't, it doesn't feel good. Yeah. It doesn't make me happy. Um, and that was like a, just like felt like I just, you know, like your headlights get all like yucky and gross on your car. Like, I don't know what (laughs) it is. Cleaned it off. Yeah. 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 You know, you get that stuff from AutoZone where you just wipe it off. Sure. You're like, great clear. (laughs) I just felt like I did that to my brain. Right, um, by not being cynical anymore, and you see this. Like, I think we have a lack of um, empathy in general, mm-hmm. like as a culture, and part of that is youth. I think because I was when I was younger, I was not very empathetic.
3: Yeah, you know, I've that that is de- I, that's very true. That's definitely a muscle that gets entertained over time,
2: especially in young men. Absolutely. We are not very good at being empathetic. No, 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 no. Yeah,
3: not not a quality that gets. Uh, nurtured, yeah,
2: <laughs> pet, right. nourished. It's definitely something that is more,
3: yeah. That part of
2: that is probably biology, but part of it is culture too. Is like because sure. it goes back to the sincerity thing. It's not cool for a young guy to be like, oh, something something bad happened to this this stranger, man. That's a bummer. I hope everything's okay. Totally. How can I help? Yeah, like right. when I used to see like a car, you know, I, I, if I was stuck in traffic because there was a car accident, I was younger, right? I'd be like, God, God, damn it. Damn, right? And now I think. I hope everyone's all right. Yeah. I'm like, fuck that sucks. Like, yeah, I got to sit in traffic for 20 minutes, but yeah, I'd rather be sitting in traffic than be in that accident. Right. Their day is exponentially worse than mine. Yeah. Or like I've seen, uh, do you remember Tila tequila? Of course. So, you know, she's had a lot of kind of public meltdowns on social media. Sure. And and people are always laughing at her for it, of course. And it bums me out because she's obviously mentally ill. Yeah, uh, I know she had a stroke, so she might be brain damaged as well. Right, and it's not funny. It's horrible. Like, how would you feel if that was your sister or something? Of course, you know, or yeah, some, make it put it a little closer to you and see how you'd feel. Yeah. yeah, and and I like I would have been the one to make fun of her when I was younger. Of course, for sure. right. Um, and so I guess I guess my my larger point is that um. I think it's unfortunate that uh that um in our culture in particular like you know the sort of angry alternative music <laughs> subculture yes, exactly. there's there's lots of songs telling you why you should be angry and there's not very many songs telling you why maybe you shouldn't be so angry. Right. Or or not not maybe should or shouldn't. Right. But like why you might want to consider letting go of that anger.
3: And it to to your point too I think that there because a lot of people that uh, would look at, you know, positivity and, um, you know, all, all of the, all of that's wrapped up in regards to either a lyrical expression or the yeah. way that bands are is like, you know, it's a cliche where it's yeah. just like, obviously, if you see a quote unquote old school hardcore band in 2018, uh, you know, singing about those things, you'd be like, I, I, I've heard this for 25 plus years. Yeah. But then a band that expresses themselves from an, you know, a, an anger standpoint. Right there's yes there still is a critical eye on the clicheness of anger but it's definitely far less like there's much more of a pass that's given to that than just like oh dude like man just cliches on top of cliches it's like
2: well yeah but like there's only so many ways you can express that yeah you can write a song about how it's bullshit that society wants to tell you what to do right like and you'll always (laughs) get a pat on the back you know totally that's true that's true true. yeah but if you if
3: you're writing a a a quote-unquote stereotypical you know positivity song it's just like oh yeah well that's you know right obviously every band has done that at some point
2: yeah and i I guess i you know i beat myself up a lot for dumb things that i've thought and done in the past but i'll give myself credit that i never really fell into that like i've never even when i was you know like I grew up and I was listening to a lot of metal like, you know, Sepultura and The Accused and stuff like that. Right. And then I discovered I somehow or another heard like Gorilla Biscuits and Youth of Today when I was like 14. I was like, whoa, okay, this is right. This, this is, is great. Yeah, this is what I'm after. Like there's the <laughs> line in the song Youth of Today, which like is still one of my favorite lines ever. It's like, um, you know, because like, my family has a lot of like, you know, uh, dysfunctional sub- relationships with substances in it. So I've sure. seen that. Uh, you yeah, have seen a lot of lives ruined for that. So uh, I. From the age of you know, from when I was a child, I always thought that was stupid. Mm-hmm. And so there's that line in that song, "Youth Today," it was uh, living fast and dying young was just a, a just a fad for fucking losers who didn't care. Right. And I was like, oh my You're god, like, this hell is the yeah. coolest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. Totally. <laughs> I love I loved that when you got
3: that part of your brain activated where you were just like, like I I mean, I was same way for Youth Today for me, but then like uniform choice for me yeah. was so huge just because they were from Orange County and like you know the lineage with Ignite and everything thing but i I just remember where it's just like you know the whole notion of like you know you booze you lose and i was just like fuck yeah you do like (laughs) of course you do it's like i just i love that little part of your brain where it's just like you are given voice to that thing that's in your head that's like oh
2: my gosh yeah you're right well it's so important (laughs) and this is another reason why i think it's important for you know for us to um I guess push back on the like cynicism trend is that there's lots of kids who are like that who are like 13 or 14 or 15 whatever like young kids and yeah. when you're that age like you care a lot what someone who's like 20 thinks of course you know um, if if the if the 21 year olds in your scene say this is cool you don't dare challenge that no, even if no. you're
3: thinking it in your head totally you wouldn't dare like you wouldn't publicly proclaim that absolutely right? not no you know? way <laughs> yeah you wouldn't you wouldn't go out on a limb and be like.
2: Oh, dude, like, I don't know, man, knock yeah. loose.
3: Isn't that cool, man? Know,
2: right. <laughs> or uh, na- name any other band that well, is popular at the moment. But, but actually it's worse. It's it's worse than that. Like the, um, criticizing the popular thing is easy. Yeah. It's praising the unpopular thing. That's hard. That's true. That's way more challenging. That's way harder. Like, yes. oh, knock loose sucks. They're just fucking hype. You know, Yeah. you can be the cool guy and do that. Right. Um, and, but it's a lot harder to say, I don't know man, actually like I still I still think all time low is pretty good. Right, right. <laughs> Like it's some good songs. Yeah, they'd be like, "What? What do you? Yeah. Talking about? What do you mean? Yeah, no, I never stopped listening to. Like, I've always listened to Three Eleven. I love Three Eleven. Yeah, one of my favorite band. Amber is the, the color of your energy. Right. I I feel like that's a great song, but there's a lot of other songs in our catalog that deserve your attention. right? They do. I do. I, I, just, I the
3: the self titled
2: blue record. I I'm a little course, disappointed that you're focusing just on the singles when there's so many great songs in the catalog. There are so <laughs> many.
3: I just it, it 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 seemed to describe that moment that we were having. Right. Because you were very chill you were relaxed yeah. amber is the color of energy right now that's I, it
2: i i think transistor <laughs> is their strongest album yeah personally but you know you're entitled to your opinion i am entitled to my opinion yeah.
3: especially being from southern california like i feel like i can i can you know even though because they, they were from northern nebraska. california oh no they're from nebraska uh-huh. that's right i knew yeah. that but i just i felt like they were obviously
2: adopted and you by call southern yourself california. a fan
3: i know I'm yeah sorry. i
2: want to say they moved to san jose that's right. I yeah. think that's where. Yeah, once of they started places, to blow up. Yeah, you are like, ah, guys, it might sound like that's a cool place, especially in 1990 <laughs> totally. or whatever they moved let's there. Let's go to. Let's go. Let's pick a sand place. <laughs> yeah, not that one. No, no. <laughs>
1: that's true.
3: That might have been. It's like, yeah, you, uh, maybe ooh. San Diego. That probably right. could
2: have been a cooler, cooler yeah. vibe, especially <laughs> for what you guys are going San for. Anything? <laughs> not San Mateo. Not San Jose. No. Like, <laughs>
3: You know, pardon the interruption, but I have to tell you about something that actually this guest is doing with a, another old guest of the show, Matt Halpern from the band Periphery. They are doing a class called Sell It Without Selling Out, DIY Marketing for Creatives, taught by Finn and Matt. And so... I've watched some of these videos. It's awesome. It's basically a step-by-step guide for designers, artists, videographers, and other creatives to market themselves and get paid to do what they love. So you, I'm talking to you. It's everything they've learned over their past 15 years in playing in bands, and it's distilled into a nice little package for you. Now, to be clear, Finn hasn't played in a band, but he has lived in this music scene for quite some time. And... You get 18 video lessons on each step of the marketing process, a 50 page workbook that will guide you through the process of making your own marketing plan, and best of all, lifetime access to the private coaching group where they'll do weekly live check ins to answer your questions and guide you through the process. Now, please go to sellitwithoutsellingout.com. Sellitwithoutsellingout.com, and you will be able to register for the class dive in well it's not it's not a class basically you you join this community and you will be able to take your idea from in your head put it out in the world and then hopefully you start to build it and it starts to become a thing that's what i've done with this podcast it's the thing now and it's really fun for me to do so sell it without selling out.com. all right go do that trust me you will learn a lot Okay, now here on with the show. So, ha- I mean, have you experienced like you know, with with the you know the punk rock MBA yeah. stuff, like you, you know, I presume that you experience people giving you that sort of sincere, positive feedback, yeah. Um, which I'm sure is I'm sure is engaging for you to obviously keep wanting to yeah. you know,
2: put that out there. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't get nearly as big of a response from that as I did when I have talked shit on things in the past, right. That's like, true. You yeah. Know. Right.
3: <laughs> that's true. You're being positive. People are just like, Well, how can you really spread this around?
2: Yeah, exactly. But I'm okay with that. Like I yeah. don't uh you know, and and that's a thing that um I hope changes like in our culture. It probably never will because our brains are, you know, literally like more respond positive respond stronger to negatively valenced things than positively valenced things. That's just like a, a fact of like yeah, I yeah. Guess human nature. Yeah, right, exactly. it's like it's more important to make sure you don't get eaten by the tiger, right? Um, so your brain will allocate more cycles to that. Um, but you know, to me, it's like uh, what what. So yes, you. It's very easy to get a lot of attention on the internet by talking shit on something. Like if you want to get um, a lot of validation, talk shit on Gary Vaynerchuk. It's true. You know, yeah, yeah. people will tell you you're great. Because, right. Great. Yeah. 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 Like, just a huckster, you're so right. right you know? <laughs> He's so full of shit. Rah, rah. Right. Um. But I would ask, is that the person you want to be? Like, is that going to like, what's that worth? It will poison you like yeah. to um, to just put out negative energy. Like, think about what that's doing to your brain. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, right. You you were literally not adding value to your life. You're not. It's same <laughs> as like and, and it's unfortunate. But like, how many YouTubers are there where all they do is like 10 bands? I fucking hate. Yeah, you know, and they'll get you know a hundred thousand views on it totally. Um, but like, where are you going with this? Yeah, and I hope that we, as viewers, remember like anybody who's listening to this, like you choose what's popular by what you click on. Absolutely, so and it,
3: it, it's funny you mentioned that because the, the uh, there so there's you know one of the most popular YouTube channels out there that I would have never found out about this if it wasn't for uh, just me and my son tripping across this dude. Perfect. So it's like the, those guys that do the trick shots. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But it's like they, uh, th- that channel and the videos that they put out could not be more washed with positivity. It's great. Like, it's, like- it's it, and it's just like, I watch it and it's like, it, 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 it not only is it soothing, but yeah. it's fun. It's inter- like, I obviously can watch it with my six-year-old son. threw a
2: son. marble through a hula hoop from 400 totally. yards away. Totally.
3: And it's just like, great it, job. Right. And it's <laughs> like every time that they are, are, are more successful, which they are, you know, yeah. many, many times over. But it's just like, that's the sort of stuff that is yeah. rad to see yeah. where it's like devoid of cynicism. Like this is just a, us having fun. Um and It was funny because my, like when I first started to watch those videos, my brain did the whole, like, these are kind of just jockey guys, like right. whatever. But right. then, like, the more I watched, because you like,
2: were lied to by all those people that wrote 18. the teen movies that <laughs> totally, said, jocks Totally, totally, yeah. And then it was just like, Oh no, man, these, yeah. these guys are a chill hang. And by, it, yeah, by the way, guess what? That the captain of the football team, yeah, that you're convinced hates you because you had a GBH pack <laughs> patch on your backpack, <laughs> didn't know you existed. No, he was, he was just doing his own thing until right. you called him a stupid jock, right? Right, and then he was like. Wait, what? Yeah, totally. What the fuck are you? What? Yeah, until yeah,
3: totally you threw your, your baloney sandwich at him. Or right. right.
2: Like, <laughs> fuck you, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I like, hope you lose your football game on yeah. Friday. He's like, what? what? <laughs> Who are you? Why are
3: you throwing shit at me? <laughs> um, the, the one thing I want to talk to you about too, is the, uh, you know, you worked at creative live for a long time yeah. and then now you made a shift over to the, uh, do you call it the, the unstoppable recording Academy? You are, URM Academy. URM Academy. Yeah. Okay. Um, which, you know, that has already existed and you're, yep. you, you know, for years before you joining, but you were friends Although with I, everybody. I
2: worked with them like on the side for about a year and a half. So i right, right. almost since the beginning.
3: Totally. Um, and the, uh, i'm sure it was one of those things where it was exciting for you to work on the side and it was fun like you know did you feel scared as you were kind of leaving a sort of quote unquote you know mothership yeah. from creative live to work with of course essentially a startup
2: yeah of course yeah um so if anybody is listening to this um you might be familiar with creative live i don't know maybe we sponsored this podcast or something yeah you remember. did yeah. yeah we did some ads at some point yeah <laughs> um yeah, so Creative Live is uh, an online education platform focusing on creatives, primarily like photographers, graphic designers, but photography is the big one. Mm-hmm. Um, company's got like I think sixty million dollars or something in funding now, and maybe one hundred and fifty employees in in two uh, in two offices, Seattle and San Francisco. So it is a startup, but it's like a mid stage startup where. Right. There's you know. revenue that's been created. Yeah. Like it's a, you know, yeah. it's a functional business. Right. right. It's not going anywhere. There's no danger of the lights turning off. You know, there's some things to figure out, but like the, the lights aren't going to turn off. So there's a lot of security there. Sure. And backed by some of the, you know, best VCs on the planet, like uh, Social Capital and Greylock, who are, yeah, if you huge. VCs, right. those are two yeah. top yeah. fucking notch. They've, they've done a good job. Right. Yeah. You know, you got Reid Hoffman and Chamath Pali in your corner. You know, those are two titans. So. Yep. For me to leave, and and I worked for the um, founder and CEO, Chase Jarvis, who I've known for a long time and is an awesome, amazing human being that's done more for me than almost anybody else in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me to uh, leave that is, just, yeah, super, super scary. Like, man, am I am I really, like... Am I doing this? Yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> uh, so right. it is super scary, but definitely glad I did it, and that's not... Disparaging Creative Live at all? It's an of awesome opportunity. I think it's a great company. I love Chase and everybody else there. Chase and Mac, who, uh, Mac Azadi, who's the COO, also extremely helpful. Uh, taught me a ton of things. I wouldn't be able to do what I do today without the stuff he taught me. Mm-hmm. One of the best operators I've ever worked with. Nice. Um, and I will say two things about them that uh, were very. Um, That I took away from them is both of those guys never, ever, ever lose their cool, which I have done countless fucking times. Sure, (laughs) sure. Like countless times I have shot myself in the foot by letting my temper get the best of me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've known Chase for 15 years. Right. I've worked very closely with him. I have never once heard him lose his temper. I have never once heard him say anything shitty about anybody ever that's incredible you know maybe say something critical like well i don't think his work is good enough for this you know sure but appropriately critical i've never heard him say something nasty about anybody ever uh if maybe it's happened but i wasn't there i don't know but i've been around him a lot for 15 years i've never seen it i've never seen mac lose his cool either and you know he is the coo for so if anybody who knows what a coo or doesn't know what a coo is that's Mm -hmm. the person who kind of runs the business the day-to-day of the business so the the person that deals all of the nasty shit... you know, Totally. That's like, that bubbles to their desk. Exactly. Right? They're mm-hmm. the ultimate problem solver. So right. he deals with more annoying shit than anybody else. Never loses his cool. It's amazing. Ever. Right. Even when he's entirely justified to do so. So if I learned anything from those two guys, uh, it's that. Right. Um, Just keep it cool. Yeah. And so that is something that has served me very well at URM because we're a much smaller company. There's four of us. Four of you guys, yeah. Yeah. And some other people. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of chaos that when I was younger or, uh, you know, I would have just like lost my shit and started getting pissed off and frustrated and saying nasty shit to people that would have made it way worse. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Totally. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. That it's, it's (laughs) not that, that your, your impulse has been stamped down
2: to where you're just like, Oh yeah, this is not going to serve me well in the long run. Right. I just think about, I remember asking Mac about this. I hope he doesn't mind me repeating this, but I was like dude how do you do this like how do you how do you keep your cool all the time like you're just so zen and he's like oh no not at all i'm kind of a hothead like yeah i want to throw shit at people and tell them to fuck off all the time but i don't because it's just pointless it's not helpful right yeah Um, it's, it's counterproductive yeah and so i keep that in mind in a lot of those situations now i'm like Oh, so Mac actually wanted to tear my head off, <laughs> right? Right, but he didn't, but he didn't yell at didn't me. Show it, right?
3: And then I was able to like actually correct the mistake and like learn yeah. something from it, as opposed to feel like I want to cry in the bathroom because I got yelled at or whatever. Right.
2: <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So to answer your question, yes, definitely felt fear there, and you know, uh, I I guess I still do, you know, because it's a sure, like much yeah, yeah. less established company, so the the security isn't there. Right. Um, but the upside is also there. And at this point in my life, like that's what I want. To that's sp- what you want to pursue. Yeah. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So, so, and obviously something that you have more quote unquote stake or control or whatever, but just yeah. because it is something that's smaller and that obviously right. you're helping to build to a larger level.
2: Right. Like probably I would say the, the thing that like scares me the most isn't like that. I think the lights are going to go off at URM cause it, that's not going to happen. We're doing great there, but right. I'm more like, man, I'm I, I don't have um, people like Chase and Mac now to like learn from or ask like, you know, because sure. both of them are such ninja like negotiators and stuff like that, that I'm like, oh, so so and so wants to do this with us. What do you think I should tell them? Yeah. And Chase would be like, OK, we'll tell them this and this. And then if they come back with that, then say this. Like, Oh, OK. Oh, smart. good idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, cool. I'll do that. Right. And I don't have those people.
0: My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an
1: honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.
2: Anymore. So it's really a test of like, you know, how well can I do this on my own more or less? And, you know, I have the other guys at the company to rely on who are great. Of, of course. course, right. Uh yeah, that's the biggest thing now is it's kind of like I'm in the deep end on my own.
3: Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you you're having to rely off of your your past experience and hopefully be like, all right, like I remember I encountered something like that a couple of years ago, yeah. where I did this thing or whatever. And that it is funny when you actually can reflect on your past experiences cuz I mean a lot of the times it's like, you know, you don't think about it when you're in the middle of it. It's it's not like you're dealing with a crappy situation and you're being like, god, I'm learning so much from I this. I do. You do? Yes. Well, I guess when you're, when you're younger, but like now, I mean, now you definitely can. Yeah. At least I can. Yeah. But when I was younger, it was just kind of like, I have to deal with this horrible band. (laughs) Like, this is terrible. I don't want to deal with this. Right. Yeah. But then you learn afterwards just like, oh, okay. I see, I see what I did wrong there or whatever. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I see what I did wrong. I should have stopped working with bands many years ago.
3: I should. (laughs) I've never been more close to drinking in my life than dealing with German straight edge bands. Oh God. Caliban and heaven shall burn. (laughs) (laughs) Like those are, they're, they're, uh, Germans are obviously notoriously intense people. Yes. And, uh, you know, they were gigantic bands over in Europe and then touring the States. It was like, oh, yeah, like we're not as big as gigantic. Whew. Yeah. And having to deal with all those, uh, repercussions of just, I guess the, uh, expectations were not appropriately managed. Yes. Right. (laughs) But in the middle of it,
2: I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was learning anything. But then in retrospect, I was like,
3: oh, yes. Now I know I, I learned these things from it.
2: Yeah. And I'm grateful that now I understand that that's a thing. So when I, Am in those like stressful situations, I can take a deep breath and I go, okay, this is not so fun right now, right?
3: (laughs) And then you you also have the ability to to reflect on the fact, like, oh, it's not as worse as what I experienced with that thing or whatever, yeah, yeah, which is which is incredible.
2: Hey guys, it's Jack O'Brien, co founder of crack.com,
0: and I host a twice daily news. And culture podcast with the funniest person I know, Miles Gray. What an honor! Ah, uh, what an true, honor! Please, Miles, tell, please tell them more about how hilarious I am. Don't tell them about my background in politics as a political operative or anything like that. Just keep going on about the funny. I wasn't going to. Okay, that's fine. Guys,
2: you can come get caught up on what is happening without feeling the life drain out of your soul at the Daily Zeitgeist. You can find us on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are. Given away for free. Um,
3: The last thing I want to hit on was the uh, the idea that you know now that you are uh, you know deeply involved and obviously you know creating content you know working with bands and 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 creating partnerships from this perspective. is it, is it one of those things where, um, like, are you seeing sort of different, I guess, feedback from the people who are interacting with, uh, this platform versus like, uh, what you were experiencing at creative live as far as like the, the, just the general public feedback just because, uh, so, I mean, like, it seems like people are obviously very engaged yeah. with, with, you know, uh, unstoppable recording yeah. academy, um, and it's not to say that people weren't involved yeah. with Creative Live, but it just seems like the um, uh, the sense of community, maybe just because it's more manageable. Yeah.
2: So here's so you're you're saying it seems like people are more engaged with URM than with Creative Live. Is it, that it, what you
3: mean? It seems like, generally speaking, yes. Yeah,
2: um, I think that's true. And uh, the 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 deal is that Creative Live was you know its roots are in photography, right? And Music, especially recording, is its own... It All of these things, all these, like, creative communities are are very siloed. Mm-hmm. Like, even in photography, I didn't know this, but I do now, like, wedding photography and, like, commercial photography don't overlap. Right. Like, they're two totally separate. The, the influencers in each of those worlds, like, right. are totally different. Like, nobody does both of... I mean, there's a couple of people, but, like, basically nobody does both of those things. Sure. So... You know, Creative Live has a ton of equity in the wedding and portrait world, mm-hmm. um, and less so in other kinds of you know in other genres of photography. Photography, even. sure. Uh, same with graphic design. Like you might think graphic design and photography overlap a lot. They don't. Right. Um, <laughs> That's true. They don't. And and, yeah, yeah. and even within graphic design, you know, which is my background more than music. Actually, I mean, I did graphic design and industrial design for a career for ten or twelve years. Right. Uh, so even within graphic design, you know, there's like. Um, people that do like hand lettering versus people who are really into, you know, say, rock posters, sure, or um, you know, interface design. And those are three very separate silos. So what you're seeing is basically Creative Live has an amazing uh, level of engagement with the wedding and portrait uh, photography world, mm-hmm. and less so in other worlds. And it's just very hard to build a relationship with more than one community. And I think we did, I'm proud of what we did with uh, audio stuff at creative live. And I think we did build some of a relationship, but when you folk, when you're able to focus on one thing, that's true. I mean, it's the same with a band. How many times have you seen bands, you know, do well in one thing and they're like, you know, we're going to start playing the red state rock festivals of course, Right. (laughs)
3: Totally or Thinking, or it's like or the people, you know, it's like uh, obviously you saw so many hardcore bands tr- attempting to go to this sort of hair metal route because right. that was what right. was happening at the time. Right. But yeah.
2: And it never works or almost no. never works because <clears throat> you, you people always underestimate or, or they overestimate the, the level at which these things overlap and they don't really overlap very much at all. Right. So you're basically starting from zero every time.
3: Yeah. That's and it's true. hard enough it's
2: hard enough to do it once. You know, and it's not even like oh they were so stupid they thought they could do it. It's just like man, it's hard to do it even once to do it twice, like to build yourself up in more than one community. Yeah, is really really hard, and that's right. why like I admire Nike so much because they've done that so many times. Each one of these sports is the same thing. Totally, you know the fact that they can have a brand in golf and in skateboarding, yeah, is insane.
3: It is insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like obviously you have a war chest to invest in these things, but it's like, yeah, but well, lots of to, other people do too, and they failed totally. and too, it to me it always shows the notion where it's just like, well, yes, of course these companies have to spend money to you know be successful in different verticals. But it's like because they are spending the money and because they are, are, are focusing on this, it is something of value, you yeah. know, and they are supporting a community in ways that, um, you know, others haven't or aren't but, yeah, or have a less have less of a tolerance for, you know, right. quote, unquote, losing money or whatever. Like you would
2: see Nike open a little skate park, um, you know, yep. that only 100 people would go <clears> to or sponsor a hardcore show or all those little things that totally, you know, are brutally like it, those are that's small potatoes, but you have to do all that stuff. You don't just get to like, yeah, come in there and put the haystack <laughs> down. You got to build it one needle at a time. Yeah, exactly.
3: <clears throat> but yeah, no, but I, I see your point where it's just like the, um, and it, it to me, it strikes me too. the people who were in, it, who are, you know, engaged with the, you know, unstoppable recording Academy. Um, it, it seems like, you know, even though obviously, you know, sort of metal and heavy aggressive yeah. music is the, the focal point. Um, do, do the people that are involved with it are uh, I'm kind of putting them in one of two buckets yeah. where people who are trying to record their own bands yeah. better or then people who are obviously trying to build their own recording right. career. Um, is that kind of a, mm-hmm. a, a appropriate characterization? Yep. Okay. Um, and do you like, I guess do people kind of uh, interact with the Academy differently because of that focus? Yes. Okay. Um,
2: so the people who want to make it their career, mm-hmm. Uh, or even just a serious hobby where they make money from it. You know, maybe you know they just want to use a supplemental income or something like that. To them, right. it's an investment in their future, okay. as opposed to a hobby, sure. which is a little bit of a different thing. Mm-hmm. You know, same way as like you know, you spent whatever you spent on this equipment to report, record this podcast. Right. Um, you know, in a way that you might not if it was just you know a hobby because this is a business for you. Sure. Uh, you know, and so people are willing to invest more. Um, in it, if they think it's going to be their career, or they want it to be their career. Versus right. if it's just themselves, like invest more, like monetarily and in terms of like their attention,
3: right? And there's, sp- I'm sure there's space where they're recording and yeah, like what exactly. they what they want to do with that, exactly.
2: So those are the people, and and I actually, I've, I've been kind of surprised at how many people there are who want to make it their career. Yeah, uh, there's more of them than I would have guessed. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, we, we had like a summit. I don't know if you saw. We a I did see those pictures. Down in, yeah. Uh, in Florida, and we got a hundred people to come, and it wasn't even hard to get a hundred. That's amazing. Yeah, from all over the world. And I was like, "Wow, this is pretty." Crazy. I thought it was going to be difficult, and it was easy to sell it out. Right. It was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that,
3: we, yeah, yeah, not hard at all. That's amazing. Just because people, yeah, people obviously wanted to contribute to it and yeah. meet, and-, and that's all
2: these people who are you know, want to turn this into their career. So for them to spend whatever it costs to come there from Portugal, Mm -hmm. you know, to them is worth it because it's going to, and I believe it will like cut years off the time it takes to get them there.
3: Right. And how, how are you viewing the sort of, you know, bands and partnerships you're trying to create? Like, do you feel like you have to do, I guess a lot of sort of salesmanship of that to the bands or like, do bands kind of generically speaking see the value of it
2: uh, yeah actually they do see the value um, That's cool. it, you know there's some people that um, you know that we don't work very much with the bands directly per se the only thing we need to do with the band is license the song right okay uh, and we are willing to pay of course so um, but I was but we're releasing the raw multi tracks and there are some you know I, I thought people might be more nervous about that uh-huh uh, and they really haven't been you know it's a couple people but by and large they're like as long as you'll pay us, you know, a fair licensing rate, then we're cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and, and, uh, I think that is because, you know, the co-founders, Joey Sturgis, Al Levy, and Joel Wanasek, you know, they've recorded every fucking heavy heavy band band you can think of. Like people know, you know, they have earned the trust of the community. Sure. Right.
3: It's not just some fly by night, like random dude, but can you release this? Like, what are you talking about? I've
2: known you for 10 years or I've known of you for 10 years. Yeah. I don't think you're going to,
3: yeah, do anything fishy with this, yeah. yeah, yeah I don't yeah. think you're
2: suddenly going to turn into a bad actor, so we trust you, and, right. and that that's pretty cool because I was expecting that to maybe be a little bit dicier than it has been.
3: Right, right. What's been one thing that's, uh, I guess, surprised you the most with the 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 I guess either either it's the community, the people who are interacting with you guys, um, or you know, just like oh wow, I never thought that this band would agree to do this or whatever. What's been kind of you know a surprising thing that you've
2: noticed? Well, I. So, okay, this is, can I give you a long answer? Please. (laughs) Okay. So back in the day, you will probably remember and other people remember like the hardcore fests, which were a very different beast than what they are today. So there's stuff like, you know, Sound and Fury and this is hardcore and stuff, which are very, um, you know, pro. Yeah. Yeah. By, you know, institutions. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Right. And, you know, by the standards of hardcore, those are very, you know, professional things. Um, by that I mean, you know, the drum sets are mic'd. <laughs> of course, right, right. There, there, there is some effort put into it. It's not right. just a room that is rented out, right? right. Yeah. Uh, so, but back, you know, in the mid '90s <clears throat> to late '90s, there was there were fest's, but they were way smaller and way jankier. Yeah. Like, you know, there's the More Than Music Fest, it's In Michigan. Yeah. In, yeah. yeah well, in Ohio. In Ohio, uh, that's yeah. right, right. And, oh yeah, Michigan Fest was Michigan, right. Yeah, yeah. And there were right. a couple other ones, but there weren't that many of them. It's true. And and at the time, because this was essentially pre-internet there i I thought of them as being so big but it was maybe 150 people yeah totally you know i remember seeing hate breed play on the floor of a theater in indiana (laughs) with charles bronson and race trader so good which is like the most bizarre (laughs) most bizarre line yeah Yeah. Yeah. charles
3: bronson being able to play hate breed is so insane
2: yeah it's like literally a joke (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. And race trader with uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Burn Andy, the idol of the white Messiah, yeah, with Andy <laughs> Hurley on drums and his judge shirt sitting there looking like, yeah, like, Oh, uh, here we go, guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what have I got myself into? Totally. Um, but, uh, so these things happened and, you know, there'd be maybe 150 people there or something like that. Right. And you think about what did it take to even know about that let alone show up in 1996 to something like that totally and i've kept in touch with a lot of those people and um and and thinking back on it that was a very you know those were definitely seekers to get back to what we were talking about before these were like really special people um for better or worse totally yeah yeah. (laughs) um and uh and it's been a long time since I felt that vibe because it's way easier to go to this as hardcore than it is to go to more than music in 1995. Absolutely. Um, and I feel that vibe again now from like, you know, the people that are part of our community. Yeah. Um, it's obviously easier to participate that cause you just put in your credit card number and subscribe. Right. But you know, people went to our summit and I felt that like, the the some of the people there are 19 20 years old or something like right, that. right the effort that's put yeah. into it mm-hmm. and talking to them like man these kids are fucking like, yeah they're engaged yeah that's yeah co- this is really cool and energizing and inspiring i felt the same way as i did meeting people you know 20 some years ago mm-hmm. that were making zines and starting labels and doing this other cool shit that then went on to do lots of other cool shit oh, yeah. um but that's been the biggest. So to answer your question, I guess not. It's not a surprise necessarily. I guess is I don't know if that's the word for it. Well, but,
3: but, I, but I, I like the the correlation that you're drawing between the two.
2: I like yeah, I like just that. these like passion, these communities of like really passionate people that are doing something that is very um, ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I guarantee you that in five or seven or ten years, like the people who are running studios that are making whatever music is popular then mm-hmm. are, are it, everybody is going all that everybody in that generation of producers is going to know about what we're doing right now. Yeah. I guarantee it because um one of the things that you'll notice is that a giant number of people in the music industry are like metal people. Yeah. uh in like the people that make, you know, like Shellback and Max Martin, you know, are metal guys. Exactly. You know, so the people in the studios in five or ten years, are all going to remember. I think what we're doing right now. Yeah. Um. And it's cool to just feel that.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that the love, love that not only like you said that level of engagement, but just feel like. Well, because ultimately you're you're creating value for people too. Like yeah. this, this is this is. Yes, it is a transactional relationship, and yes, it is a business. But this business flourishes off of. The idea that people will tell other people that this is a positive thing, you know, and that right. this is something that is creating value in their own lives. Yeah. And like that, I mean, you can't look at something like that and not just be like,
2: eh, whatever, it's just, you know, just and work. It, and it's a real community, you know, people, yeah. there's people with the title of community manager. Right. At big companies, basically means responding to comments on social media. Oh, social media, exactly.
3: <laughs> or, or, go, or if they have a message board, then they have to handle that as well. But right. yes, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: Um, but this is an actual community um which is a really cool feeling and i hope that it you know it's the same as true of creative live yeah uh and so that's the thing i want to keep you know nurturing and growing
3: yeah, yeah, yeah that's super
2: exciting well finn i
3: i love hanging out with you man we could we could do this for another three hours but <laughs> i yeah. i feel i feel like that would spin off into our own separate podcasts well anytime Well, yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Finn. Thanks for coming over. And I really enjoyed that conversation. It was, uh, I I had a loose framework of what I thought we were going to discuss. And we just, I I just ended up throwing most of that out. (laughs) We were like halfway through. It's like, Oh no, let's, let's explore these nooks and crannies. I think it's interesting. So Anyways, thanks, like I said, Finn, and uh, please sign up for his class. It's really, really cool. They are they they put a lot of time and effort into this thing, and I they, and they ultimately want to help. It's not like they're doing this to be like, all right, man, we're gonna make millions. It's like, no, we wanna we want to help. Yeah, we want to make some money for the time and effort that we put into it, but uh, it's the real deal. Trust me. And the guest next week is an awesome one, Chris Number Two from Anti Flag. I actually met up with them on tour. And we uh, hung out in the green room and did the did the whole interview thing, like the whole traditional <laughs> how how bands get interviewed <laughs> as opposed to like either over Skype or people coming over to my house. But anyways, Chris, number two. Great discussion. And uh, that is what you have to look forward to next week. OK. And uh, yeah, until then, please be safe, everybody.
1: You've been listening
3: to the Jabberjaw podcast network, Jabberjaw Shh.
1: I'm Bob Roth, host of the new podcast, Stay Calm. Meditation changed my life in college, and I've spent the last 50 years teaching people about the benefits of meditation, from celebrity clients to students in inner-city schools. And now I'm sharing a lot of what I know straight to your ears in my new podcast. Join me every Monday through Friday morning. All you need is a few minutes and an open mind. Listen and subscribe to Stay Calm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. Call 800 333 kia for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available.
3: Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.
1: My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to
3: attacks against Asian-Americans,